Ask your neighbor if they're ready. Are you ready for God to move? Ready for God to do something? I hope you are. My name is Monty. I'm one of the pastors at Meadows Church. I know Sarah said it, but I gotta say it again because I just have to. If this is your first time at Meadows Church, welcome home. We are super excited that you're here. The green cards and the chair backs, fill them out, turn them into guest services. Excited to bless you with a gift. Let me start with a question. Have you ever been in a situation, and you might be in one right now, a situation where things are bad, but then they've gone from bad to worse? I mean, it, it, and, and I'm not talking, I'm not just talking like, oh my gosh, my Amazon Prime shipment, it's, you know, it's Thursday and it's still not here yet. My bird feeder, when am I going to get, no one cares about your bird feeder, okay? I'm not talking about that. Or, or the, my, the Cheesecake Factory, the menu, they took away my favorite item. You know what I would say? They have 542 other things to choose from. I like their menus the size of a phone book. Pick something else. Not, I'm not talking about things like that. I'm talking about real things. Like there was a time... I could give you multiple examples. I'll give you one uh, when things went from bad to worse in my life. Some of you, you, you've heard me talk about me growing up wrestling. It was one of the sports I, 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 I played, I guess you could say. And I, uh, I was a Hulk, you know, in high school. Wrestled 98 pounds my freshman year. Um, I know, it's impressive. Uh, I ballooned up to 125 pounds my sophomore year. But I wrestled 105. So what does that tell you? It tells you that I, I was dumb enough to, to try to cut 20 pounds to go from 125 to 105. So in this journey from, from here to here, things got, went from bad to worse. Bad was I was starving myself. I was uh, spitting in a cup, walking around spitting in a cup. You ever seen wrestlers do that? And it's gross, but we do those things. Um, so it was so bad that a, a, a day before our, our wrestling duel against Harrisburg, South Dakota, I'll never forget, I was three pounds overweight the day before, and I was sucking air. I mean, I hadn't ate over a day and a half. It, things were very bad. Say they were bad. They, they, you don't even know half of it. It was so bad, and I wasn't going to make it. And a buddy came up to me, and he said, hey, you, you want to clean out anything else, any toxins you got in you, take this. And he gives me a pill. Now, now how many of you know it's probably not a good idea to take, like, unmarked medication from somebody that you kind of know. Okay, you get it, right? Well, that's exactly what I did. I'm like, yeah, whatever, I'll give it a shot. Well, turns out what he gave me was basically X-lax, you know, on steroids. And uh, I made weight, okay? I made, didn't have a problem making weight. I think I was a pound under. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Um, so, I'll tell you, I made weight. We're at the Harrisburg, South Dakota duel. And uh, I'm standing there in my sweats before the, the duel's gonna start. And we're, you know, we're doing this thing and we're doing the national anthem. And during the national anthem, here's the problem. See, I ate all day. I made weight that morning, ate all day, and I still had some of that in me. So things are still kind of moving. And, and so, so this is, say it's bad. Okay, it, it was bad. So all of a sudden during the national anthem, my stomach started to gurgle and I was like, ooh, oh no. And then I was like, oh, oh, crap, crap. I mean, no crap, no crap, no crap. I'm like, I'm just like, God, don't, don't no, 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 no. And I was like, oh, and I, was, I said, I turned to my friend and said, I gotta go. And I take off running across the mat, true story, to the bathroom in front of everybody, all the fans, all my teammates, the, the, the Posey team is like, what's wrong with that guy? A lot is wrong with that guy. Anyway, so I'm running to the bathroom and I go in the bathroom. I don't need to elaborate. Uh, it was like a scene from like Dumb and Dumber. It was out of control. So, um, so I'm in there, and it was bad. And it was about to go from bad to worse. Because times when I was in high school, they're different than now. If a coach did what my coach did now, you know, he'd probably get fired and arrested. My coach, you know what he did? I'm in the bathroom. He came in the bathroom and literally kicked in the stall. 
I kid you not. So I'm on the bathroom, and he kicks in the stall. I'm like, oh, my gosh. He, I'm, like, he's late. I'm like, what? He's like, did you take X-Lax? I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, don't do it again. I'm like, <laughs> I was just, it was, I was so humiliated, you guys. It was miserable. It was bad to worse to, like, God, just take me out right now. I, it was horrible. It was, I won my wrestling match, I'll tell you that. That was the good side, but it was it was a traumatic experience. I don't know if I've ever recovered. I still need counseling and all that kind of stuff. So, are you, have you ever been in a situation where it's gone from bad to worse? It, on a serious note, for some of you, maybe it's a marriage or a relationship. And, and, and it was bad at one time. You thought it was getting turned around and things were getting better. And all of a sudden, something happened. You had the big fight. And now it's gone from bad to worse. It might be a child or a grandchild. And they were just turning the corner and starting to come around. And things were starting to get better. And all of a sudden, they made another bad decision. And now it's gone from bad to worse. Your financial situation, you're just starting to climb out from underneath the debt, and all of a sudden something breaks down again. And you're like, great, from bad to worse. I'll never get ahead. It could be even in a relationship and you've been hurt really bad. Someone hurt you, you've lost trust. You know, and you're just starting to build that trust back up to love people again or trust people again. And boom, you're crushed again. And it goes from bad to worse. And you're thinking to yourself, just when I thought there was hope, just when I thought there was a light at the end of the tunnel, only to realize that light's a train coming right at you. And you're like, seriously? This is the story that God has for us today. A woman, um, a widow, is going through something. If you're new, we're in a series called Cut the Cord. It's on a prophet named Elisha. Elisha, God used him in mighty ways. And, and God's about to use him in a woman's life. And this woman, it, she is... Things are, things are in, at the worst category. They're almost at the miserable category because here's her problem. She just lost her husband. Uh, she is unemployable. And she, uh, her sons, she has two sons, and she's about to lose them both. That's where she finds, finds herself. She has no hope. Today I want to preach to you out of the word of God. In 2 Kings chapter 4 is where we're going to start. This story is going to resonate with anybody who is struggling with hope right now. Anybody who feels like you're in a rough situation. Anybody who knows somebody who's maybe in a situation that's going from bad to worse. This message is for you. This woman, this, the, the, the context, we're about 850 years before the birth of Jesus. So this is out of the Old Testament before Jesus came to earth as a human being. And the prophets, or God speaks through prophets, the prophets speak to people. Just to give you some context, uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, we'll start in verse 1. One day, the widow that I just told you about, a member of the group of the prophets, came to Elisha, and she cried out, because things were bad, remember? My husband... Who served you, Elijah? He's dead. And you know how he, he feared the Lord. He loved God. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take away my sons as slaves, as servants. See, back in this day, when you owned, when you owed a debt, they could literally take you or your family as servants to pay off that debt. That's exactly what's happening to her. So you want to think about a bad situation? She's a widow. Widows during this time, they're basically, like I said, unemployable. You, they, they could barely make a living because women were considered less than back then. And to, I mean, the only profession they could do is not a profession that a woman would want to do or that would honor God. And that would, she could make some money that way, but really no other way would be a means for her to make a living. So she is struggling and plus she's going to lose her sons. So she is in a bad place and it's bad to worse. That's where she finds herself. So here's what Elisha says in verse two. He says, what can I do to help you? Elisha asked. And then he takes a left turn. Listen to this. He says, tell me, 
What do you have in your house? Okay, Elisha, you're not exactly Captain Compassionate here. She just, she just lost her husband. She's hurting and she's struggling. She's crying out to you and you're like, hey, what, do you, what do you got in your place? Let's take an inventory. And it's weird, but he asked that question for a reason. Listen to her answer. So he asked, what do you have in the house? And she says, nothing at all. Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. I find it interesting that notice what she led with. She leads with nothing. Many times in our situations, especially when we're going through a difficult time, our, 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 our thought, our, our concept is always negative. It's always, I don't have nothing. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing that I got. The truth is she had something, right? She had something, but she leads with nothing. And how often do we do that, ladies? I mean, I'll pick on you for a second, but you've been guilty of this. You've either thought it or you've said it out loud. As you walk in your closet, your walk-in closet... You finish it for me. You look at all the clothes all the way around you, and you say, I have nothing. Yeah, you're guilty. I've heard my wife say it. And I'm tell, I tell her, I said, Jody, you have enough clothes to, like, clothe the small village, okay? You've got some things to wear. I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, kids, our kids are about as guilty, though. Parents, you shop. You shop at Walmart. You fight. You, you, you are pushing back demons at Walmart, trying to shop for your family, getting groceries, spending two hours, spending $200. You get back home, and you load the fridge, and you load the cupboards, only to have your teenager pry themselves off the couch, walk over to the fridge, and you can finish this one for me, too. They open the fridge. Oh, we don't have nothing. No. Yeah. My first thought is, I will take you out. Seriously, I just fought people at Walmart for two hours for you. We have nothing to eat. What they're really saying is, there's nothing that's just going to prepare itself and jump in my mouth. Right? I mean, that's not going to happen. Oh, what? You mean I got I to gotta take it out of the refrigerator and open the bag and put it in a pan? Put it in uh, the Ava, you tried. I mean, I'll give my kids credit. They will, they will fend for themselves when they have to. Um... A week ago, I come home and our house smelled. You ever burnt popcorn and it smells for the next 40 years? Yeah. So I come home and our house smelled burnt, but it wasn't popcorn. And I said, what the heck? And Ava, you admitted to me, dad, I put in some microwave popcorn. I didn't put water in it. And yeah. So anyway, so, but I appreciate you cooking for yourself. I love that part about it. Just, we need to learn a little bit. So um, if I, I, I think to myself, that woman she saw herself as having nothing. And so many times in my life, and maybe you've been guilty of this too, but we think to ourselves, if I just had more, like I don't have anything. And you know when I think to myself, when I say if I just had more, what I'm really saying is, God, I just want to trust you less. Really, that's what I'm saying. God, I don't want to have to rely on you. I want to, I want to trust you less, so I want you, to have, I want you to be able to give me more. But you know what God showed me a long time ago? And maybe he's going to say the same thing to you and it's going to resonate like it did with me. If I'm not grateful for what I have right now, I'll never be grateful for, with what I'm given, ever, ever. And that's what he told me a long time ago. Be grateful for what you have. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, what do you have? Ask your neighbor. Watching online, you're watching, you're listening. Type in the comments right now, right now, what do you have? I'm not asking what you don't have. I know you don't have a lot. I don't have a lot either. What do you have? Because you have something. So, one of the things I want you to take away so far, and we're early on here, stop focusing on what you don't have and start working with what you do have. 
Okay? Stop focusing on what you don't have and start working with what you do have because you have something. I'm telling somebody in this place, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your situation, you have everything you need to do what God is calling you to do today. Everything you do. I don't have nothing. You have enough. You have something. I guarantee you do. The woman said, I have nothing. Oh, wait, wait. But I do have, I, like, I do have like a little flask. I mean, there's some oil in it, but, but this is it. Like, like, this is all I got. And Elisha says, oh, that might be all you need. Olive oil, by the way, very valuable. She didn't have much of it, and it was just a little flask. But olive oil, they, they, it was such a hot commodity back then. They would use it. It was multi-purpose filled. It was, they would use it for cooking. They would use it for lighting their lamps. They would use it, ladies, they would use it for moisturizer. Okay, you don't need lotion. Just go to your cupboard, grab some olive oil. Okay, I just gave you a beauty tip. That was for free. So, but they would, they would use it for uh, conditioning leather. They would use it to um, anoint others. There's a story in the Bible, some of you might know it, where a woman bursts on the scene. Jesus is close to doing what, he's, what he came to earth to do. And, and, and she comes in and she grabs oil, a little oil in an alabaster jar. And she, she pours it all over Jesus in this act of, I don't have much, but I'm gonna, I'll pour what I have. And she pours it on him. And Jesus, you know what he said? She has done such a good thing. And she, she's pouring out everything she's got. And Jesus says, such a good thing. More on that later. It's such a huge moment. So let's go back to the scripture. Verse three. Elisha says to the woman, okay, remember, remember where we left off? She says, all I got is just a little bit of oil in a flask. Here's what he says. Elisha said, borrow as many jars as you can from your friends or your neighbors. Just borrow it. Then go into your house with your sons, shut the door behind you, and pour the olive oil from the flask that you have into the jars, setting aside each one when it's filled. Can you imagine the woman? Okay, you want me to like go to my friends and gather all these jars and so I can pour what I've got into all the jars? Elisha's like, yeah. Okay, so you want me to do like a door-to-door campaign in my neighborhood? Ask my neighbor. I, I don't even like some of my neighbors, okay? That one with the camel, always pooping in my yard. I mean, that stuff is huge, okay? I don't want to go to my neighbors. It doesn't make sense to go to my neighbors anyway. I don't need a lot of jars. All I've got is this. But this is her faith moment. See, I believe, I don't believe, I know that, that we, you, will have faith moments in your life probably more than you even know. These are moments, what they are is moments when God is calling you to do something. God is calling you to press in when it doesn't make sense. Because that's what, that's what faith requires, right? It would make zero sense to go collect all these jars, waste all, Elisha, I don't have time. They're gonna take my sons. You want me to go gather a bunch of containers? I have nothing, hardly at all. This is a faith. See, what, what this woman does next and why this faith moment is so big for her and for you what she does next will determine what God does next. What she does next will determine what God does next. Well, God's gonna do what God's gonna do. God's gonna do what God's gonna do based on what you do. Did you know that? What you do with this message today, I'm not kidding you. What you do with what God's gonna show you today in his word, what you do with it will determine what he does. It does. It's crazy. Watch. Listen to this. Here, so what is she going to do? She, he's told her, he's given her marching orders that make zero sense. So verse 5. So she did as she was told. Wow. And God is saying, church, if you just did that, read my word and do what it says. Oh, 
God, certainly there's got to be more to it than that. It can't be that simple to just like read it and do it. And God's like, no, it really is. No, no, no. Certainly there's some sort of algebraic formula that I need to follow and figure out. And God's like, no, no math involved. Thank God. But God's like, read the word. Do what I say and your life will change. She does it. So, and listen to this. Her sons keep bringing jars to her. And go figure. She fills one after the other. Keeps filling them with, with her little flask. Filling jars of every size to the brim. I love that the Bible adds that. She fills them. She ain't just filling them, but she fills them to the brim. Did you know that, that you serve a God that is a to the brim God? I mean, to the brim. Why would they put, they could just say she filled them up. No, no, no. God wants you to know it's, it's all the way. I am an all the way to God. I am a to the brim God. That's who I am. And so she's doing that. And she's like, all right, boys, keep it coming. Bring me another jar, it says to one of her sons. And he's like, there aren't any more, mom. That's it. And she's like, oh my gosh. Well, the oil's still flowing. She says, come on. I, I, she's probably like, grab the pans from under the sink. Grab the coffee pot. It's empty. Dump out the almond milk. We'll use the container. No one's drinking that crap anyway. Come on, bring them. She's just like, whatever it takes, I want it. And, and, and so they have nothing else to bring. And look what happens. The, the son says there aren't any more. And then the olive oil, what did it do? It stopped flowing. Think about that for a second. As soon as the containers stopped coming, God's provision stopped flowing. I wrote it down this way. God's blessing was as large as their faith and their willingness to obey. God's blessing is as large as your faith and your willingness to obey. God says, you empty it. I mean, it, it hits me. God is looking for empty jars. He's looking, searching the world. What's empty? More importantly, who's empty? See, he'll take any size. He'll take any shape. The only um, requirement is that it's empty and available to receive. My question is, are you empty? Are you available to receive? People will say, Monty, how do you look for leaders? And, and how do you look for people that you want to raise up? I'm like, it's easy. Are they available? Are they teachable? That's it. I don't look at aptitude, nothing. You don't take no tests. Are they available or are they teachable? Are they empty of themselves? See, God right now, see, some of you, like me, you're full of ideas, but your ideas have gotten you what you've always got. And it isn't good if you look at it. That's why it's gone from bad to worse. What ideas do you need to empty from yourself? What habits do you need to empty from yourself? What thoughts or lies that you've been believing do you need to empty from yourself? This is a principle that's all through God's word. God says, you empty yourself and I will fill it up. The Bible says, Jesus said one time, you know what? You lose your life and I will give you life. Well, that doesn't make sense. God, lose my life. God, empty yourself. It's all over the word of God. I wrote down one of my favorite passages, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. He says, you know what? When we're weak, when we're weak, God is strong. See, when you're weak, he is strong. When I'm empty, he will fill. When you're hurting, he will comfort you. When you're lost, he is your guide. When you're hungry, he is your bread of life. When you're thirsty, he is your living water. I'm telling somebody, he wants to fill you up. When you are on shaky ground, he is the rock that does not move. That's who he is. He is the rock that does not move. You empty yourself, and I will fill you up. What do you have? 
do you have? When you offer what you have, God will give you everything you need. When you offer what you have, you got to offer something. If she, if she doesn't offer the olive oil, there, there's nothing to start with. God just wants you to start. God wants you to participate. Remember, as we talked about it last week. you got a part to play. It's your faith that unlocks God's blessings. When you offer what you have, God will give you everything you need. I talked to a gentleman, it's probably been over a month now, and he, he offers what he has. We've been talking about, and a lot of times, we think of the tangible things because that's, that's what we can wrap our head around, right? Whether it's finances or something else. And he's been offering to God finances, you know, giving back to God through the church faithfully. And it's something new for him. And we're talking about that. But, but not only that, but he, he also has emptied himself from his desires and his thoughts when it comes to a relationship with his girlfriend. And we talked about that, and he's starting to fill himself up with God's principles, which are way different than what the world says, way different. And he's saying, and so he's doing that. He's emptied himself when it comes to what he wants with his finances, because he realized they're not his, and he starts returning back to God. And then his relationship, he starts living God's way when it comes to a relationship. And here's what he said to me. He said, I, I can't believe what God is doing. Like financially, like he's a young kid. And most young kids aren't like being generous with others and paying for other people. You know, they're just like in it for themselves. And he's like, I've been able to bless people in ways I've never blessed them before. My relationship with my girlfriend, fiance actually, my relationship with her is better than it's ever been. And here's what he said, and I quoted it because it it went so perfectly. God has done so much more than I expected. His words, that's what he said. Say more. Mm. Let's, let's, let me give you the last verse of the main teaching out of 2 Kings, verse 7. When she told the man of God what happened to her, remember? My gosh, the, the oil kept flowing. All the jars are filled to the brim. She's telling Elisha. Listen to what Elisha says. Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts. And you and your sons can live on what is left over. I was going to name the title Living on the Leftovers. I, I, so here's what's crazy. Why did she come to Elisha in the first place? Well, she owed money. Man, that's the only reason she came to him. It's like, crap, I, I have a bunch of debt I can't pay. I, don't, I can't really make any money. I need to pay this, otherwise I'm, they're going to take them, and it's not good. The only reason she came to Elisha, I need money. What, what does God do? God says, I will pay your debt, and I, I will set you up for the rest of your life. It is so, so, so we got to add to the main point. When you offer what you have, God will give you everything you need, say, and more. And more. And more. You serve an and more God. A to the brim God. An abundant God. Oh my, God doesn't want to just meet needs. He wants to exceed them. It's what he's in the business of doing. And sometimes we hinder it by our lack of faith or our lack of offering. I don't have nothing. God says, you got something. Let, let me get real with you when it comes to the church. Because God hit me like alongside the head, which he likes to do about every week. And our building, like we're grateful that we have a location. We just moved to the, another temporary location where we're at here. And it's great. And we're blessed. But make no mistake, we know this is not the end game. And we've been praying boldly. Like, like God, we know that you have a, a, a place for us permanently down the road. We don't know when, we don't know where, but we know you do. But here's what's unique maybe about us. We, I, I don't believe for a second that, 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 that we're supposed to go in debt. I don't. 
I don't believe for a second that we're supposed to have a mortgage. I don't. And I've had people push back. Well, a lot of businesses have mortgages. I know. We're not a lot of businesses. And then they'll say, well, a lot of churches have mortgages. I know. We're not a lot of churches. If God's calling them to have a mortgage, that's okay. But I know churches that are so saddled to their mortgage, they can't pour into people. And I don't want that. And, by, and I thought to myself this week, I'm kind of getting worked up all by myself in my room, which happens sometimes. And I'm like, why in the heck would we settle for debt? Why? Why would we say, okay, well, that's what everybody does. I don't want to be like everybody else. I don't want a mortgage. I don't want to pay interest. Why? Because my God owns it all. He owns everything. I'm going to trust him. So we're praying, and we're like, God, and we're boldly, we've been boldly asking this for eight or nine months. God, give, give us the land. Give us land. Uh, uh, give, I, and he's going to use people to do it. I understand that. God, maybe someone's going to come forth and say, you know what, you want land? I got somewhere. I know somebody. Boom, done. That's what God does all the time. He's in the business of doing it. We pray boldly in that direction. God, give us the financial provision. When we get that land, that we can just build a building, and it's a done deal. And it's a done deal. And we pray in that direction. And we've been praying. We've been seeking. We've been asking. But then, but then I heard a guy say, you want God to send the blessing? You want God to send the water? And I'm like, yes. Well, then you need to dig a ditch. And I thought, what kind of a jerk would say that? <laughs> oh, wait, that was, that was us. Okay, so, wait. So, so I'm, I thought about that. I'm like, all right, we're digging. And we have been, but here's the thing. And I don't know that we'll ever do a capital campaign. I've never done one. I don't even want to do it. But if God says we'll do it, we'll do it, whatever. But if we ever do, if he does, does ever lead that direction, I already know the name of it. People over property. That's the name. I already know it. Don't know that we'll do it. I have no idea. God will lead that. But people over property. Well, what do you mean? It should be a property campaign. It's a building campaign. It's a facility. No, it's not. I, I don't, we need that. I, but I don't care. I mean, we just, once it's done, it's done. We're investing in people. That's all I want to invest in is people. That's all I want to think about is people. And God says, you start digging a ditch and investing in people now. You don't need to wait till you have a land or a building to start doing it. You invest in people now. And we have been, but now we've upped the ante this year. And some of you maybe don't know this, but that's why I'm so glad to be able to communicate it to you. I'll tell you something. We are getting so intentional about serving our community that, that it's, the, the world is going to know that, that we're his followers by the way that we love and the way that we serve, and we know that. So we're digging ditches in that capacity. So, and how a lot of our serving happens, on, on whether it's a monthly, bi-monthly, whenever we get together, is through life groups. So if you, don't, if you don't hear about, gosh, is my church serving in the community? Yes. The answer is yes. Many of you do it individually on your own. Praise God. Thank you for that. But collectively, we do it as a church as well. And so if you're not in a life group, that might be your next step, because then you're going to hear about more that we're doing through the life groups as we serve our community. Because God says, you want the blessing, invest in the people now. Don't wait. So we're going to do that. So we, we are doing that. Last weekend, we, um, we actually came together. Our life groups came together. And we went to a place called Victory Apartments. This, these are downtown apartments for veterans. Veterans that have served you and me in our country for years. And many of these veterans, after I talked to them, you know what I realized? Many of them don't have much. Many of them don't have any family that's around them. Many of them don't have much for income besides what they maybe get from the government. And that's all they got. So we get connected to them, and we're like, all right, let's, invent, let's, let's blow them away. Let's, let's just, I mean, we want to, we serve a to-the-brim God. Let's go all out. So we challenge all the life groups and do a, a competition, and we collect so many items, food, toiletries. We, like, look at this picture. We collected 2,100 items that we blessed them with. It's amazing. They're going to have to build a new pantry. I mean, 
They were blown away. So, so that's what you're, so we're, we're investing in people. I wanna love people. I, that's, that's what we wanna do. It's not about a building. Do we need one? Yeah, we do. But we wanna invest in people. And it didn't end there. You'll see pictures of us serving. We served them food that day. We served them hot dogs, hamburgers, all, all, the, all the fixings, if you will, dessert, all that stuff. Served over 100 men that have served our country. And now we get the opportunity to serve them. And we're loving them. And, and as you look at those pictures, I'll tell you something. In, in that in that gathering on that Saturday, I meet a guy, 72 years old, and here's what he told me. He says, can I talk to you a second? I said, yeah, that's what I'm here for. So we go by this picnic table, and he sits down, and he says, how do you know, I mean, like, God has always been? Like, how do you know, like, God is real, basically? And I, and I talked to him a little, bit, a little bit about that, about the son, son of God, Jesus. And he says, well, how do you know that, uh, how do you know that Jesus is the only way? And he was, this guy was a talker. Now, was he using profanity? Yes, a lot of profanity. I mean, he taught me words I've never heard before. So, but I, I, I was just meeting him where he was at. And he wanted, so here, you know where we ended the conversation? I presented him the gospel and I said, it, it is by your faith in believing that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And I said, can you wrap your head around Jesus Christ being the son of God and that he died and rose? And he kind of shook his head. And what you probably want to hear is, yes, he gave his life to Christ right there. I would love to tell you that. But here's what happened. He looked at me with tears in his eyes and he said, I want to believe. He said, I want to believe. See, he wasn't quite there, but he, I tell you what, he is thinking about it and he is praying about it and he's got a church body praying for him. And I believe there will be a day when that 72-year-old man, and I hope it's sooner than later, that he will surrender his life to Christ. Why? Because people always matter more than property. Always matter more than property. They always do. We're not gonna, when we do build something or when we do have something permanent, it won't be real nice probably. Because we're not, I'm not into architecture. I could give a rip. I, we're not some museum for saints. We're a hospital for sinners and those that need the love of Jesus Christ. That's what we came to do. Do we need it? Yep. Yeah. Are we going to dig ditches without it and trust God? Yep. Yeah. The vision has not changed. God has not changed the vision of our church. We exist to lead people to Christ and their God-given purpose. Now, is that vision way beyond our resources? You better believe it is way beyond our resources, but we believe something, that if God gives the vision, he makes provision. I believe it. So if this is where God has us right now, we'll go all in right here. We will max out right here. We will love people right where we're at, and we will keep loving people because we know that when we pour into people, I, I wrote it down, the main point, when we offer what we have, God will give us everything we need and more. We believe it. So we're going to do it right where we're at. We will dig ditches, God. So my question to you is, what do you have? What do you have? You've got something. God wants to use that something for something supernatural. And you might even think, it's, Pastor, I don't even have what you got holding your hand right there. I don't have nothing. You've got something. Jesus said one time, Jesus said, you got faith? The size of a mustard seed. You got faith that big? You can say to a mountain, move! And it will move from here to there. You've got something. David. David facing a, Goliath, or a giant named Goliath. Some of you, you know the story. God, God's probably like, David, what you got? Well, God, I got this, this, this rock and this rubber band. God's like, you're good. You got it. I will give you victory with what little you have. You will take down a giant. But not only that, because I'm a God of and more, I will make you the greatest king of Israel. That's what I will do. 
shepherd boy. I will raise you up because you're using the little that you have and I will do something great with it. It, it is amazing what our God will do when we let him. Moses, Moses, it's so funny. You gotta read the word of God, it's so good. Moses is like arguing with God. You're never gonna win that battle, but he's trying. And he's like, I don't wanna, I'm not, you got the wrong guy. I can't lead all those Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery. I'm not the guy. I'm not eloquent. I can't speak. I can't. And God's like, no. Moses, what do you have? He said, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? And Moses had a staff in his hand. And God showed him his power through that staff. And, and, and Moses started to realize something. And you know what I love about that story? God didn't say, Moses, what can I do? Moses, what do you need? No, no, no. He's like, what do you got? You've got me. I will use you to change the world. And, and Moses would use the staff in his hand to part the Red Sea and lead the Israelites out of slavery. What do you have? And one of the greatest stories I, I think about when it, when it comes to this is Jesus. There was a time that Jesus was speaking to a lot of people more than once. But on this particular day, 15 to 20,000 people in the room not in the room, on the, on, the, on the hillside. And he's speaking to them. And maybe you've heard it. He gets, he gets to the end of his sermon, and the disciples are like, Jesus, that was incredible. Great sermon today. I mean, great offering. Things are great. But you know what? These people are getting kind of hangry, you know, hungry and angry. So it's, let's just get them out of here. Long day. We can't feed them. And Jesus says, feed them. And the disciples are like, uh, Jesus, we don't have anything. You know, what, you know what Jesus says? What do you have? What, what, what bread do you have? You, you can read it in Mark. Oh, heck, I'll read it to you because it's, it's so good. What do you have? Before, before I even read it, I'll tell you what they had to go do. They had to go look for something that, that they already had. Jesus knew it was there. And he sends them out. And they come back. You know, some of you know the story. They come back with what? Five loaves of bread and two fish from one kid. And they're like, okay, here you go, Jesus. Yep. There's 20,000 here, but here you go. And what does Jesus Christ do? Mark 6, 41 through 43, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. He gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided up the two fish among them all. They all ate and they were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish, the leftovers. You know, and you know what I think? I think if they would have found a 13th basket, God would have filled it. I think if they would have found a 14th basket, God would have filled it. I think it's like, okay, baskets, no more baskets. All right, we're good. God's provision. And, and did you catch it? Do you know the first thing? Did, I'll put it up here again if you, if you didn't. The first thing Jesus did when they gave him the food. You can put the scripture up again if it's not up. Did you catch it? Taking the five loaves and the two fish... Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. Jesus Christ has the food in his hand. He's Jesus. He looks up to the Father and he gives thanks. See, here's what I know about me. It's easy to give thanks after I see the miracle. That's when it's easy for me. Oh my gosh, my daughter had this thing with her hands and uh, through surgery, God healed her. We thank God, we praise God. It was a miracle. Thank you, Lord. 
Oh, Grandma, she was so sick. We didn't know if she was going to make it. But through the power of God, she's breathing on her own. She's going to be okay. Oh, we prayed for the, the, the child to turn around, to find friends that he or she loves, and she did it. Thank you, Lord. It's easy to praise God after the miracle happens, but faith is thanking God before the miracle happens. See, this is exactly what Jesus did. He, thank, he looks up to heaven and thanks God. The miracle hasn't even happened yet. But the Lord Jesus is thanking the Father for the miracle. I wonder if anybody right now would have the faith to put your hands together and thank God in advance for the miracle that he's going to do in your life. For the blessing that's going to come in your life. For the provision that he has for you. If you but give him an offering of praise and trust that he has so much more for you. Thank you, Father. This offering is for you. The praise is all yours. So good to us. I want to praise him before the miracle happens. I want to praise him before the miracle happens. The woman, the widow in our story, she had a need. You know what it was. It was financial. It was actually greater than that. I tell you, the more I read the word of God, the more I see the gospel of Jesus Christ almost in everything. Why did she go to Elisha? Because she had a need that she could not meet. You and I, whether you know it or not, I certainly know it. I have a need that I can't meet. Like, I can't do it. And you can't either. Our youth ministry, last Wednesday, I don't, something supernatural happened. By the way, okay, talk about God's provision. Our youth ministry, they meet like 20 miles from here in, in Bellevue. Uh, well, God's provision, we're, starting May 5th, they're now meeting a few miles away at Nebraska Christian College. You should give God some praise. I don't even know how that happened, only by him. So on May 5th, we start meeting at Nebraska Christian College. Youth, 6th through 12th grade. So I picked the kids up from youth. And, and Jake, my, my son, he's got energy. And so does his friend who was in the back seat. Normally when I pick them up, they're bouncing around like they just snorted 14 pixie sticks. I mean, I'm not kidding. And I don't know what they're doing at youth. I hope not that. But it was, this was different. It was like quiet in the car. Like almost the whole way home. I'm like, what happened at youth today? It's never been like this. And they described to me that they were asked a question in small group. And it knocked them sideways. You know what the question was? If you die today, do you know if you'd go to heaven or hell? Now, as Christians, we think, oh, that's kind of a cheesy question to ask people. Um, it hit them square between the eyes. I mean, it, it, they, we started having conversations about real things. I said, Jake, what'd you say? And he's like, Dad, I hesitated or I paused, and then I said, heaven. And I said, you better believe it. I said, Why? And he knows the answer is Jesus, but then I got more specific because you can never over-communicate the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I said, you are saved by God's grace. What's grace? That, that, that he would cover our sins. We, don't, we deserve death. For what we do, sin, the payment for sin is death. But his grace is so loving that he sends Jesus. This is the God. It's so amazing. Don't, don't be like, oh, so it's, this is the greatest miracle in history. That God's grace, and we repeated it in the car. It was weird, but we did it. I said, I said, say this. I am saved by God's grace. And they said, I'm saved by God's grace through my faith when I believe in Jesus Christ. And we said it like three times over and over because I want them to know you can't earn it. 
but you do have to receive it. There's a lot of people that are not on the pathway to heaven because by their faith, you got to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You got to believe he died on a cross. You got to believe he rose from the dead. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And these youth kids, I mean, they were, it was weird. I was like, God, I'm going to just be quiet and let you do what you do. It was amazing. But here's what I wrote down. I think the kids, the youth kids realized they had limitations. In that second, they realized I'm limited. Like, life is so brief. They realized probably the brevity of life. Heaven or hell awaits. I don't care what age you are. It's a quick trip. And they realized that. They also re realized, I think, the gravity of eternity. The, they, they were limited. They realized their sin limits them from, from, from earning anything. They can't do it. And they realized that. That's why grace is so beautiful. Why would you not accept the grace of God by your faith? Why? And, and they realized that just like the woman, she realized she was limited. I don't have the means. I don't have the funds. I can't make the money. I am limited, Elisha, unless you show up or unless God shows up. I can't do it. She's limited. You and I, were limited. I probably don't have to talk you into that. We are limited by what we can do when it comes to getting right with God. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. People covered by the grace of Jesus Christ go to heaven. People who call on the name of the Lord by faith go to heaven. You've got a big limitation, and so do I. But understand this, and I wrote it down to make sure I get it just right. Your greatest limitation is God's greatest opportunity. Because when you were dead in your sin, God looked at you and he said, Jesus, go do what you need to do. And Jesus went to the cross, died for your sins, and rose from the dead, defeating sin, defeating death, defeating the Yeah, you should, I'd give him praise. It's the greatest miracle in history. It's the only reason I do what I do. It's why you have hope. It's why we have hope. Thank you, Lord. You are saved by God's grace through your faith when you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son, of, the Son of God, that he was dead and now he is risen. He's alive. He sits at the right hand of the Father listening right now. Do you know that? That's where he is right now. And his Holy Spirit is among us right here. This, these are facts. We are limited. So I'm going to end and say, what do you have? I'm asking. What offering is God asking you to bring? In about four minutes, you're going to have an opportunity to write down um, and what you, maybe what you need or an offering that you need to give that God is showing you. And, and we're going we're, you know, to have this up here. A vase seems appropriate, doesn't it? That we have a vase, an offering to God. And during the final song, you'll come up and you'll put your note cards in there. God, this is where I'm going to start making an offering. God, this is a need that I have. God, this is a situation that's gone from bad to worse. I'm giving it to you, but I'm not just, I'm not just giving it to you. I'm walking by faith. I'm digging ditches. I'll do my part because, because when I give you an offering, God, you will do so much more. We believe that. Say and more. I kept writing it down, and more. He's a God of and more. He's a God of filled to the brim. He is a God. So the last scripture that God gave me to give you just reminds me of the and more God that you and I serve. Don't settle for nothing less than the life that he died for. Do not settle for anything less than the life that God has waiting for you. What you do will determine what he does. Remember? Ephesians 3.20. One of my faves. 
Now to him, say him. Yeah, God. Now to God, who is able to do immeasurably more than we can all ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. The power of God is supernatural. The power of his son, Jesus Christ, is amazing. And I'm telling you something, when you take what little you have and you put it in the hands of Jesus, oh, I wonder, is anybody grateful that he can take something so small and turn it into something so big? God, you know what I'm praying? I am praying that you will take our cup and that you will make it overflow with your goodness and your grace and your love and your mercy, God. The Holy Spirit is in this place. He's moving. Let him move through you. Here, here's, what I want, here's what I want to leave you with. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? He's always working. He's always moving. He's always talking. What is he saying to you? Write it down on your card. I'll put this, I'll put, I'll just leave it right here. Heck, we'll leave it right there. And during the final song, you'll come up and you'll put it in there. And then you're not only going to put it in there, but then you're going to do what he's calling you to do. God, what offering am I to bring? Where am I supposed to trust you so that you can, so that you can show me that and more God that we serve? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And while you come up, and I'll invite the prayer team up, as you put your card in here, many of you will line up to pray with somebody. Praise God for that. I'll say it every week. If you need prayer and you leave here without it, well, God doesn't want that. God wants you to be prayed over and prayed for. So prayer team, you can come up as I pray. Father, thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for a message that started with a widow who seemingly had nothing. You know what she left with? Abundance and more. Her debt was paid, and she was taken care of. That's the God that we serve. God, we have a debt we can't pay. Every time I look in the mirror, I see it and I know it. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. Thank you for standing in the gap and doing it for us, Father. I pray for our church. I pray for people as they write down their heart, their needs. What the, what's, what's, what's going on in their life, what's going from bad to worse, maybe an offering that they're going to commit to give to you, God, whatever that looks like, in whatever capacity, they're going to write it down because there's something powerful about when you write something down. And they're going to bring it as an offering of praise and praise to you. Praise, P-R-A-Y-S, and praise, P-R-A-I-S-E. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, move. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit working in people. May we be obedient. Because what we do in these next moments and over these next hours, it's going to determine what you do in our lives. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gift of new life. In your son, the best is always yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today, but don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I want to ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. 
I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.